And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, startups, founder stuff, you name it. Before we get started, a shout out to our sponsor, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Today's a special day. It's our 100th episode and really wanted to do something special for um, the moment, you know, the milestone. And today's guests are actually the women of Marknology. Um, Veronica Brooklyn and Roe will be coming on the show. I just wanted to talk to them about... Um, joining me with Marknology, the early days, like um, kind of their intros to e-commerce, what they're doing now, and ultimately just give you a chance to meet, um, you know, the women behind Marknology and and the ones that have helped me build um, everything we have. So we're going to start with Veronica. Veronica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So, um, okay, so we usually start out the episodes just... I want everyone to get to know the guests a little bit. And I know I talk about them a lot here on the show, but you guys really get to V I'm going to talk, to, I'm going to call her V for the rest of the show, just cause it's a lot easier, but V let's talk about, um, you know, early days of working with me, um, in Tampa. Oh man. In Tampa. Where yeah. Start? What do you remember? Like when, what was the first project maybe that like, you know, was like, Hey, this is Amazon. Uh, can you help me? I can't really remember like the first project, but I kind of remember the feeling of being in the first project. Um, and I basically, you know, I was in grad school, going to school for um, my master's in environmental engineering. Andrew was in Kansas City. I think he moved like a year earlier. So that's kind of like the distance of time. And um, he was just kind of like, hey, I need help. I have some projects I'm working on. I started, I started the side, side hustle thing. And it's kind of growing. And I just need some help with some Excel docs. And so I felt like the first projects were me just like copying and pasting stuff. Like I didn't know what I was doing, why I was doing it. And it was just like, here, do this one thing. That was kind of like the, the first projects. Yeah, I feel like I had no idea how to communicate instructions like virtually, you know, like from not, not right there with me. And I mean, this oh, was what, eight years ago? That's eight, no, eight, I nine think years nine years ago, ago yeah. or so. So I was gonna, I was wondering what year that was. I think we were in, you know, 2014, 2015. Definitely jumping on Zoom and FaceTime wasn't a thing. A thing, no. No. And uh, during that time when we were putting products up, it was really like people with tons of products just wanting to get products up, like, you know, different colors, different variations. They didn't have copy, the Khalids. Oh, how many, pro how many products do you think we were putting up? It was thousands, right? Thousands and thousands. Yeah. Well, what was he selling? He was selling blankets, I think. Sis might know a little bit more about that when she comes on. Cause I think that was one of her first projects too. Kind of, 
that client kind of came I remember when we were billing for that, we felt so guilty or so like just stressed about, we were putting in hours and hours and hours of work, but we felt so bad being like, we need 500 bucks or we need a thousand bucks for all this work. Oh yeah. The amount that we charged then. Yeah. And we still felt like it was extravagant. Okay. So early days of obviously being like an agency or consultant, but you were helping me. You were also working in a restaurant. I think you were finishing up school, uh, even going through like a breakup. We had a lot going on. <laughs> um, you know, when was the decision to like, I guess, leave Tampa and like kind of the engineering degree you were pursuing and, and figure out what this e-commerce thing was? Well, I had been divorced for about a year and I was probably like in my last year of grad school, I've been working with Andrew for probably a year or two, um, kind of on the Amazon stuff. I was helping with two refugee groups at the time and working at a beach bar um, in Tampa. And I remember trying to figure out, okay, well, what were the next steps, you know, because environmental engineering for your master's, you're going to be like, that's your life. You know, I'm starting from the ground. Um, I didn't have any connections. And, you know, the goal was always to go overseas. Um, so I was doing all these things on the side and kind of like helping Drew start something. And I, you know, I got advice. I was, I was stressed out. I was doing so much stuff and Andrew actually would call him and I was just crying, which is rare. And I remember just being like, I can't keep up with these refugee groups and you know, the everything all at the same time. Like, I don't know what to do. And Drew kind of gave me advice that was like, well, you can't help others until you help yourself first. And of course, you know, good advice never just sits with you in that one minute and you're like, aha, that's the good advice. You know, you kind of mule on it. I feel like good advice is kind of that stuff that you, you sit with it and you try to think through like, what does that, what does that actually mean? And, um, and that was just kind of like the, how I made my discussion, which was, um, my decision to come to Kansas city was like, well, let's just give this a try. Um, and so that's what we did. And here we are, I think eight years, nine years later. Yeah. August is, anymore. August is eight years. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like the, the deciding factor is like, um, best decision of my life being here with my family um, and having been able to do the things that we've done so far, it's, I couldn't have chosen a better. And there was not one minute of regret. Have we been overseas a few times since then? I mean, we've gotten to travel just a little, just yeah. a, few, a few times here and there. Um, it was, it was a crazy time because we were getting, we were getting busy work. Like, you know, we had some big clients off of Upwork or not big at the, they seemed big at the time, yeah. but like big workload, no one really knew what to charge. So we were just winging it um you know just like working on random projects not really even knowing exactly what we were doing but it was growing and uh you know we just found ourselves kind of like we left our jobs and we're getting paid to like help people on amazon i remember it was like um you remember the first year i think before we had the office just like randomly choosing coffee shop did we have the office already when you came so when i came to kansas city we already had the office okay. um so it was actually like we didn't have i think it was we were moving in like okay the day that i got here we were moving in so we kind of we had that space which was really cool to be going from tampa where i was like in a very very small um place for my desk in the you know very small room at that um and so to be able to come here and do that but it was still like very much you know ragtag days yes um, I was still, we actually started our Airbnb business because of the ragtag days because we didn't have enough money to pay me full time. And so we Airbnb'd my loft here in Kansas City for the very first one. And we made $10,000 that year to help supplement that first year of income that we couldn't necessarily bring me on at what we needed to. It's easy um, to forget some of those things that we were doing. Um, 
nine years later, we 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 own a, an Airbnb business with our our bestie. So full circle there. But. Yeah, I'm like, we need to go back through and maybe look at even calendars before they wipe them away or something, and just see the dates and some of the stuff we were putting in there. Um, you know, to remember the early stuff. But it's like, okay, so origin day is just like saying, hey, F it. Like, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to go. We're going to like, I think people look at us as a family business, even in some ways. And I think the reason why we've been able to be so successful is our why. Our, our why was pretty straightforward, which was just like, each one of us was like, I'm trying to get my life together and, you know, live a life intentionally and improve quality of life. And at the same time, like take care of my people while I'm doing it. And I think um, at least for me, and I think it resonates across the rest of us is like, we had a low somewhere around in there, like in our own personal lives, whether it was a divorce or a breakup or a sickness or different things. And it was like, first, like get that in order. And then, um, you know, saw that we were onto something. I think that's what it was is like, we were like, we're onto something. Don't know exactly how to scale a business or grow it, but we're onto something that's working and I think if we just like stay with it, um, you know, we can do some like really cool things and create some cool things. Yeah, I see like, you know, they always have this like, you know, Instagram sayings, but like this one is so true, the consistency over time. And like when you look back at the beginning to where we are now, it wasn't some big monumental, something went viral, no one's paying attention, people still aren't paying attention to us, you know, but like it's not, it's consistency over time that's brought us, I 100% believe that's where we are now. You know, I started off being sitting next to you. And being like, I don't know one single thing about what we're doing. And you're like, me neither, basically. Like, it's just like, figure it out, kind of. You know, we sat there together, kind of pushing each other to figure it out. And here we are nine plus years later. And I'm like, aha, like, I actually now feel like I know what I'm doing. It's like, it took that long, that many years of 60 plus hours to actually finally feel like, oh, I now, I actually do know what I'm saying, not I'm making it up. Yeah, like, honestly, like. 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 hours each on this platform. I think something that we brought up the other day, we were just like reminiscing. And um, to our listeners, like me and my sisters grew up in Africa. And uh, V, who's on the show with me right now, um, we used to have this little like computer bunker that our dad let us have. It was like in the basement. We set up like all our computers and late at night, like when no one was on the satellites in Africa, we'd be like, you know, torrenting uh, software or or videos or TV shows or games. And it was it was hard. It was like complicated back then. We're talking like year 2000, 99, <laughs> 2000, 2001, torrenting stuff. And it was just me and you just geeking out about, you know, tech stuff. And then it was like, you know, then we came back to the US and it was years later. I mean, before we kind of got back into computer stuff, like we left it behind because we had all this American culture and society and rules to learn um but you know it, it's 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 so cool to be back like start that way and then be back doing the at same the stuff it, it's, yeah it's nerd stuff you know like i feel like i kind of like hit me again this year i'm talking to other people but it's like the, the things that we do or what we figured out that's not like cool and fluffy is the nerd stuff it's like that sitting and figuring and tinkering things and you know um getting online and figuring out most of the things that people don't talk about yeah, you're right. Um, I just like, I think I've been tinkering a little bit myself with, you know, some of the selling strategies and marketing strategies lately, and was reminded a little bit when I set up the warehouse, but like, I just I really enjoy some of that, like, 
the gamification of it, mm-hmm. the figuring out the algorithms, like how to how to optimize this, how to get better. Um, and we're we're in that phase in our business right now where we're doing those things internally, like on our business, mm-hmm. not just for others. And um, it's bringing some of that nostalgia back we a little. Do that. We tell that with our clients all the time. You know, I'm like, this is a game. You know, I'm like let's we're trying to win the game for you guys. You know, like and that's how that is how we see it. Is like business is a game. Can you stay in the game? Um, you know, that's the hardest part, right? Saying in the game of business, like, can you be in the, in the game to play the game? Exactly. Yeah. And like everything that you do is part of like winning the game ultimately. And so that makes it, I think relates back to what you're saying about when we were younger, but like, that's the fun of it. It's like, and if you can gamify aspects of it, it makes it more fun than just feeling like a job. No, totally. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk kind of about, we talked about, you know, you joining early and I mean, we've gone through countless i mean it's eight years right so went from me and you to me you and and row to me you and row and brooke to um i think our team is at 36 right now so um and and honestly that you're a big part of that not just obviously across everything but our creative department has really just grown a lot i'd like to talk about because I feel like what we do at Marknology in regards to bringing in a full service Amazon account management, like strat business strategy ads and blending that with creative and storytelling and branding is something that we're unique for. And, and um, you've been a big part of creating that department really from scratch to where we are today. Um, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the name of Marknology is, is blending marketing and technology together. Right. And so it plays just directly into like how we set up the company as people who are artists in different ways. Um, but then also we talked about that e-com like nerd side and it's like, how do you blend both? And, you know, I think that's one thing that people get frustrated about, like tech companies who don't focus on like the creative agency is like, they don't understand the creative and the creatives don't understand the nerds. But like at Marnology, we have both on our team and we're trying to figure out a way, you know, to blend and make that. So that's really been fun. Um, you know, naturally, we didn't study anything, you know, creative or the arts, but it's definitely part of who we are as individuals. It comes out. A lot of people say like in, in the way we dress or in how we present ourselves. Um, so trying to figure out how to blend those two together in, a, in an Amazon agency where no one's talking about branding, you know, for they are now they're kind of starting to. But even some of the cool features that Amazon's bringing out they're still not talking about them at conferences right you know um because you know the e i feel like a lot of the amazon agencies up until this point where money has started kind of coming in and covid you know they're they were for the nerds you know they weren't for these they were for these people who could figure out how to make lots of money on the platform and they didn't need that creative side they figured out the algorithm the tech part they, they figured out that and now that you know the world in general is fo- and amazon is focusing towards that creative we're kind of like how you have to you have to figure out how the two blend together um yeah. So, I mean, it's changed over the years. I think like how we started our creatives, especially with how Amazon is changing it, it's forced us to kind of, to kind of level up. Um, but it, it's really fun to be able to take, um, because, because Amazon and branding and stuff is so new. It's like, you kind of have, it's like the wild, wild west. And so you can try a whole bunch of yeah. things. You can make your own way. There aren't, you know, all these other successful ways that have already worked. Like you're forging areas that no one's talking about in branding. Even people who are going to school are not talking about it. Um, and so that is kind of a perfect environment for me it's, as we're people, ragtag people like we. There's no way there's way. no one saying this is the best way to do it. Or this is the only way to do it because no one's done it before. So because of that, it's almost like this level of confidence of just like there's no way of like questioning. Am I doing this right? Because there is no necessarily like right. Right way. Yeah, exactly. 
what's um you know what are some things like one that that didn't work like when we were trying to create the the creative team and just like you know like work with brands to get their story out of them what have been some things that like we've tried that didn't work well having designers that can't execute i guess at your vision level i think that's important to have people who can understand what you're trying to say as a leader yeah um that doesn't mean someone else couldn't get you know what out, out of them that they needed but um you know for me i think that was one important thing i think it was also kind of a contradicting a little bit what you're saying about like there's no way so no one can like judge the way that is true but i think like at some point we were trying to kind of do maybe what we thought like other creative agencies did and realize like that didn't work for us. It's yeah. like, this is a fast paced environment, meaning like this long thought out design work. It can't happen on the Amazon platform. You won't, no one's going to hire you and it, it's not needed. Like that level of like, you know, logo design where every single aspect is taken up and put into account that it is needed in some aspects, right? Landlocked logo. It's awesome. But on the Amazon platform in general, 90% of what we're branding needs to be done quickly and it needs to be telling a story. You need to be answering the questions through the imagery. So trying to use an old school model of like doing it this like long and very intentional way was costing us. Yeah. We couldn't get it out quick enough. People's probably were like, you know, so we, we came up to a lot of issues right there. And then once we find out our own way, which is like, okay, this works for us. Let's lean into that. So I think a little bit of backpacking a little bit on trying to do things how other people did it, but then realizing that Amazon's not the same as the, those websites where it's static, you know, things have to be changing. It has to be done quickly and still look professionally and be up to like branding standards. So trying to mix both, I think. No, I think you're right. Um, one thing that I was thinking of was, um, you know, like whenever you move into a new area that you don't know, you know, you're, you're taking in information. So you're listening to podcasts, you're reading story band books, you're reading like branding mm-hmm. books, you're reading all this kind of stuff to try to get better. And it's one of those situations that's like, take the good and then put it through like what you're doing and leave the rest, you know? And so it was, we were trying to do it like, okay, let's read about it. How should we do it? And then it was a combination of that. Like, so we need to repurpose it. What's best for like a full service agency um, and Amazon. And then also it was like the brands that we were working with, right? The difference in what they call Amazon sellers or FBA sellers, and then a brand or then a manufacturer or um, brands that have invested thousands and thousands into branding have no real difficulty understanding kind of what we're trying to communicate versus a seller that has never really put aside, you know, thousands of dollars a year just for marketing or branding or image enhancements or, or they come and they say, have a thousand SKUs, what can you do, um, you know, for all thousand? And it's just like, uh, that doesn't work like that, you know? And so having to like, almost like fail with them to then know, what to tell, you know, brands and manufacturers that were listening, right? Like, you know, we had done, we had tried this shortcut, we tried this shortcut, we tried doing it like template work, or we tried uh, outsourcing to to get it cheaper and, and saw that we weren't getting the best results. Um, those yeah, are all things that came to mind. So good. It's like the failure part, I think is a great way to say it is like, as someone who now is a CMO of Marknology, like, if you would ask me, like, 
I failed so many times in the last nine years because I, you know, but what the quickest thing I think that we're really good at doing is pivoting as, as leaders, like understanding that, okay, like we can fail and now we fix it. We fail, we fix it, we fail and fix it. Now all of a sudden we've had so many failures and fixes. Like my pool of knowledge to pull from now is so extensive. Like we've worked with over 300 plus brands that know how much experience that is. And if you're using those failures, you're not scared of them. Yeah, you underquoted. Now you have to make the project up. You overquoted, and now you're trying to deliver like good quality. Um, those failures, as a leader, make it now that I have a wide breadth of knowledge to pull from. And no, it's still not perfect, um, but there's a lot more there, and I can quickly pivot instead of taking so long to pivot. Yeah, and I think one thing is just like try, come back to it in a year, come back to it in six months, and be like, wow, we've learned a lot in the last six months, of the last year. Let's go back. But like you know, you still have to get those. Uh, repetitions out to be learning anything. Whenever I'm talking to people like in the sales conversation or just here on the podcast, I reference like the sponge listing, right? That brand we worked with out of New York with the sponge. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we had like, I mean, I can be corrected, but I, it was between a 45 and like a 48% conversion rate for like several years yes. running. Mm -hmm. And um, there wasn't a lot of PPC. There wasn't like, you know, we obviously got the keywords right. And they had a good story that we brought to life in the A plus page. And then the listing had the story and the photos. So like the photos and the video were like educational about the product. And then the A plus was like story about the ladies that created the brand. And I feel like we just got it right. And it was something that like, whenever I saw the data from the creative, basically like a lot of people say like well it's this unknown it's kind of like we don't know if it's going to work if it's not going to work well a conversion rate like that tells me it's working mm -hmm. right and i just remember like it wasn't that i loved everything we did with that page or i loved the branding or i loved the creative personally but customers on amazon definitely loved it and seeing that just made me like even more dive in and focus and be like okay this creative stuff, this storytelling stuff on Amazon is like the way to go. If we can recreate this like over and over and over, um, you know, we're going to be extremely successful. Like that was one that I definitely hang my hat on as being like, that was like a light bulb moment for me. It's also super fun to be able to take this kind of like making it go a different direction in this conversation, but it's also it's like really cool to be able to work with like really small brands and give them big brand vibes yeah i think that is like really cool too is like because that wasn't really there it wasn't available before for them but because we've kind of made our own model we can make it afford we've made it so that they can have you know kind of that big brand vibe too and that's really fun to do something else i'm going to share um i think and i don't want to give away all of our secrets right okay i'm going to leave some for us you got to come <laughs> you got to hire us but um i think a turning point for us too was when we got designers in-house at Marknology that spent their 40 hours a week plus just designing for Amazon instead of like freelancing or hiring out a great designer from somewhere else that like might come in and do an A plus page or do a brand guide for us or a label for us or like specifically what we taught them. But think about the difference in like getting to do that every so often. And then that's like what you do every day and getting better at it. I mean, so like, I think that was absolutely the... I mean, as far as quality and the next level for us was getting designers in-house that actually are being paid to focus on Amazon instead of it just being like a project for them. I think that was a big game changer. Yeah, that was, that was everything, especially as um, a leader who is still learning with her staff, I think, as like we're kind of in, a, in, an, in an industry that is also learning at all times. Like there's new things coming out all the time that everyone's learning together. So having designers in-house in that you could 
put work with those ideas back and forth really changed the game for us as we were able to like, well, what about this? You know, can you try this really quick? Without it costing us a ton, yeah. well, you know, cause they were, they were on payroll, but the difference in Hours. paying a freelancer versus someone in house. Yeah. That, yeah. That was, that was crucial to the, to our success now to being able to try. Yeah. Um, okay. So like, let's, let's wrap up the, the, the next few minutes together. Like, um, what, what are some projects you're working on right now that have you excited? Projects that I'm working on right now that have me excited. Um, just really digging into, you know, it's exciting and hard. I will say that. I don't want to say just like exciting as in being like, oh, yeah. But I mean, it's really difficult in, in growing a team in the creative space. Um, understanding like how much time is given to designers and staff and branding strategists to focus on the brand and give them that space and then no one to bring the next person in. Like when are they overwhelmed with work and when should you bring the next person in? And then what should that next person be? Should And so I think that part of growing a creative team um, right now is exciting, but also it's, it's challenging because, you know, you're trying to get the most from your people, you're, but you're also at the same time, you understand that the creative isn't just like another job where you can just, you know, you have to have that space and that downtime to be creative and to think of those ideas. So how do you plan that into someone's you know, schedule and then to know when to bring that next. Okay, well, now is the time to bring a next designer in or a next branding strategist. Um, so I think that's something that's exciting. Okay. And then on the counter side of that, like, what's something that you would say out there to potential clients? Like, be honest, like, as honest as you want. Potential clients, partners, people working with us, people thinking about working with designers. What's something that's making, like, you know, creative and branding and stories, making your job hard? Uh, as an agency owner, as a founder, like, you know, working with brands to bring their stories to life. What's something that's, that's, um, that's been a real challenge. Yeah. So I think in the e-com agency, especially is, you know, brands aren't always like content first or brand voice first. They're kind of like a lot of people are bringing a company, like a, a product to market. Um, and then we're kind of telling them about like, Hey, you guys need branding. Like no one understands what you're saying from this listing. And so I think budget reasons, um, because if someone has, you know, a hundred listings, now all those hundreds have no branding and we come in saying like, Hey guys, you, you need, need to brand. do all of this. Like yeah. they don't have the money set aside. And, and then, and then, so I think that's it. It's like how much it costs to actually make branding, even with us, like trying to make it as like affordable as we can. That is like, it's hard. It's hard to be creative and, in and, in, in, you know, in a limited sphere. In one instance, it's made us it made us great at what we do, but in the other, I think that's yeah, it's super challenging. It's so, so to, to that brand, continuing on that, to those brands that maybe have a small budget but want to get started, you know, what's what's a tip or a piece of advice? Like, you know, where should they start? Yeah. So, one thing we do for our clients who maybe can't afford their whole catalog is we do a one set um, price where we kind of make the template for you. So, we do all the hard lifting with this one listing. We think about we talk about your branding. We talk about your storytelling. So we're really getting the template, I'd say like 75% maybe of what you need across 100 listings. And then we even say like, hey, you can take this and go find someone cheaper who can execute the same template model. Because most designers can take you know, something that's already built out and kind yeah. of modify it across the product line. And so, you know, I, I mean, yeah, that's not us money in our pocket, but it is a way for us to help you as a brand um, kind of take that idea and find so If you can find someone cheaper than us, then you know, great. So that's a tip that I would take is have someone do a template of one about someone that you like all your lists. So five, five um, product detail page listings and an A plus and have them quote you for that. And then you can take that and send it to um, a designer that you think might be able to execute it at a cheaper price. Cool. I love it. Thanks V. Love you. Thanks for being on the show yeah, so exciting. and helping me celebrate 100. episode 100.
Next up, we have Ro, uh, I believe like employee number three, technically, although you were volunteering hours much before you got hired. Yeah, technically. Ro, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, Ro, also been with me since the absolute beginning. I think we first got you involved with social media. Is that kind of how you started helping yeah. with photography at the beginning? Yeah, we had, well, we have a brand called Landlock, which I'm sure Drew has talked about. Um, and he had an old partner who was running the account. And I was like, this doesn't really feel like our vibe. And so I was like, Drew, let me do socials. Let me do socials. And he's like, I don't know. I'm just like, oh, this is a battle either way. This is going to be a battle either <laughs> yeah, way. I was like, no, just like, I'll do it for free. Let me do it. I'll like, we'll make it better. Um, and so he finally said yes. And so I just like started running with it. And then um, I had been doing photography forever since I was in high school. And then I went to college for something else and then moved to Florida. And V and I started shooting when I moved there and I was doing like portrait stuff. And then they got into the business and V is like, okay, so we're running into this problem with the company. Um, everyone needs photos. <laughs> She's like, I know you don't know how to do it, but can you do it? And hmm. I was like, um, I'll try. And so I remember the first product, and if anyone does photography out here, they'll know, was a white shampoo bottle. And shooting white on white <laughs> is hell. <laughs> and so I think I spent like, oh, so like multiple days of hours and hours of time um, trying to get this white shampoo bottle on white background. And I know I like taught myself everything. And I look back now and I've learned all like the tricks. Um, and the way I was doing it was like so <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> it was like the long, long way. Um, so yeah. Not I, the wrong way, just the yeah, self-teaching way. Yes, it's like my own method. Um, but I learned. So I, then I came to the company doing like projects for photography as needed. So we were like getting more and more clients and we started doing all these white backgrounds and then went into lifestyle. And then we, one day I was working at an investment banking company downtown, which is like, I am a creative in my soul. And so it, it was like the opposite of who I was. And, but you know, you have to work. Um, and she just was one day, she's like, hey, I have a job for you. It's not exactly the creative job that you want, um, but it will bring you in. And I was like, I'm in. I was so nervous. Yeah, I know. I know. You were the first to like leave a job, I feel like. Yeah. So, but yeah, so like she brought me on as a project manager and I'm so thankful for that because I wasn't in that role for super long, but I got to learn everything about Amazon. True. I almost forgot that. And how everything works. And so when I did transition into that, like primarily um, creative, like storytelling role, I was able to be like, I understand why it has to be like this in order to be successful and not just in a creative way, but like, what's the reason behind it? And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have that um, beginning like project management um, learning stage. I almost forget about like some of our evolution in regards to like how it came to be. But, you know, we weren't really 
we weren't getting paid. Well, one, we didn't have like, we need our own media company to produce content for Marknology. Um, but we weren't really getting paid for creative. So it was like for every creative person we were trying to get in the business, it was like we needed them to do something else mm -hmm. because that's what clients were paying us for, even though we wanted to explore in these other areas. And Brooke needs so much help. I don't know if I was that much help with like, <laughs> I remember with copyright editing. Um, that that's not my jam. You know, some we have strengths and weaknesses. Um, and it would take me forever. I'm like, Brooke, this is not. So she laughs. I'm like, I was good at other things though. We had, yeah, we had everyone doing end of month reports. Yeah. Like at one, I mean, we're skipping along a little bit, but I think at one point we had five or six people in the same room. Yeah. In the first office. Um, the every off yeah. wall had a desk. Every wall had a desk and we were growing and then we just had everyone doing everything. It was fun. But if anyone knows why we look good on social media, or our branding looks good or our photos look good or why my Instagram looks so good, it's all rough. So yeah I do my best yeah she had a, she got a baby that's like way cuter than the rest of us and so we're all struggling now to get great photos that's not um but we don't mind because it's baby jet but yeah so after I did project management I did that for a while and then we just kept running into this like content and storytelling thing like yeah. over and over again and so my attention just kept getting pulled and pulled to that like okay how do we create a listing like how do we story tell that and it became like my main focus and v and i built the creative department from that we're like this needs its own category like it can't it's not a project manager can't necessarily do this it needs it takes a lot of time and brain space and focus um so i did that for years i think your first teammates were from northland caps yeah right our interns our in, like our design interns i'm thinking of the young guys like um in the old office like we had a picture of them and i'm just like i think they were kind of doing like social media or like well we a lot of the people that work with us now we have brought in as interns from different either college interns or even some high school interns um because no one really knows what we're doing anyways like i always say that like the, you know and andrew like they don't teach us in college and if they do if they're five years behind yep um so we brought in a lot of interns just throughout the years and they were great and we brought them on so it was like doing helping so with social media and the creative department and it was like those people and now they're like staples in our company did you I mean, like when you're going to school, you went to school for, I think, psychology yeah. and then you're in banking, just like make, we're figuring it out, right? You, like you weren't planning on being in banking, you were in Florida. Um, and then it was like, hey, Vern's moving like, and you're like, okay, I'm oh, not yeah. being left behind. I'm coming with. Well, yeah, we, so I studied photography in high school and this goes to like mentors and teachers. I had a teacher, like I was like obsessed with photography and she, I was like, I want to be a photography teacher. Like. I thought she was so cool. And she's like, you're not good enough. And so I, it changed like, <laughs> it changed the direction of my life because I went to school. I have always loved, like I'm a sensitive person. I've always loved helping people. So I was like, I'm going to do psychology. I did that and I graduated and I was like, I don't want it. Like the only way to succeed in this is like going, like getting your master's, your doctorate. And I, it just didn't feel right for me. And I lived in Kansas City my whole life. And so I was like, my family is in Florida, like I'm gonna move and just figure it out um, to try to live somewhere else. Um, and then- it Yeah, it was basically me guys. I'll just put it out that way. You know, I had uh, 
a divorce as well and just can't kind of life came crashing down and um you know so i moved back to kansas city and then you and v were in tampa and then you guys were like well drew needs our help we're moving back and then oh yeah v's like hey we're visiting kansas city and we had she was about to graduate we've been talking like where are we gonna move are we gonna go to washington dc like because we're best friends and we're like okay we're gonna do this like adventure together and then you know me like i'm young in my 20s i'm never going back to kansas city and we're at kansas city visiting for christmas or something she was like bro we're moving back. I think I had made my pitch. I made my <laughs> official pitch. I was just like, I need you girls back. Like I needed yeah. you. I needed you back. And something I learned, like, I think I lived seven, not seven years away from you, but seven years from Vern away from Vern and Brooke, mm-hmm. um, just through the years through college and band days and, um, going through a divorce and like coming out on the other side, I was just like, I don't want to spend any more time without my people you know? And so I know we've been to Thailand together. Like, you know, we haven't had as many trips as we should have, but, um, Italy. Yeah. We've done some stuff, you know, that for our family, like legacy and stuff is pretty unique and rare. Um, but okay. Bringing us back, just thinking about just like how that exactly unfolded was kind of just crazy. Cause we really were just like, there was no one out there doing this Amazon thing. So we were kind of having to validate ourselves like that. This is a thing. Okay. You're leaving your job to do this. Okay. You're leaving your career to do this. Okay. Okay. Now you're doing something you've never done before. And we didn't have the studio like we have it now. We didn't have the cameras and the lights and the white rooms and, and the different color backgrounds and like, you know, thousands of hours of experience. We were doing it with like, I don't know, homemade white boxes, you know? Yes. And I know, like, I just had FOMO, and I was like, I want in with my best friends, whatever it is. Like, I'll figure it out. And so when V was like, let's do this, I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I was like, but I'll learn it. Yeah, and there's a, I know there's a part of us that was like, oh, my God, do you think we can all work together? Because we had never done that before to the listeners. Like, we didn't hadn't done that, but we were just like, why not try? Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, speaking of just, like, figuring stuff out the hard way uh editing white backgrounds remember when we found the service that was like 50 cents or something it was a dollar to like clear up white backgrounds and our lives changed like just like it was like thousands of hours saved (laughs) i knew this is like embarrassing to anyone who does any creative work but um we were doing like pack sizes for this company that had like hundreds of uh products and i was like okay in order to do pack sizes i have to shoot every pack size and really, you can just Photoshop them in in minutes. So I did so much extra work. And then when I figured it out, I was like, I have like 20,000 cases of product for no reason. <laughs> but it's fine. It worked out. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't mind paying you for it. So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but no, I think we are from, we're from dairy farmers. Like, you know, we're from like workhorses. We're blue collar. We're a blue collar family in yeah. some ways, like at least in our origins and um you know it's how we figure stuff out i do feel like that's why we're the best at what we do is because we did we've done every we've done all the hard stuff when it comes to amazon not just photoshop i just mean like the spreadsheets and the photos and it's like we know two plus two equals four and now we can use the calculators and just like you know really understanding i remember even just like we were like we everything out there looks like china and fake and so we need like real photos it was like you know and for a while it was like we were taking real photos real lifestyles um 
and then like you know doing graphics to them now it's almost evolved a little bit more to be more graphic design and you know that kind of base but even learning through that just taught us so much as a team yeah we're like we have to get faster but it is cool it's like i really um figured out beyond photography the love of storytelling and that's like said like the heart of our company i think a lot of people you know they're like hey we want to make money we want you know to do all these things we want to be successful and it's like but without the storytelling piece it's like a failure like you're we always say like the ads won't work if you don't have the content and the storytelling um and i fell in love with that it's like the pro just with being like okay how can we bring this product to life and tell the customer exactly what we want them to know and how um and it was a process but it's very very fulfilling and then really being like branding is so important um consistency and like when you're looking at products from a company and you go from product to product to have that familiar feel um, and the quality and it really takes it to the next level. I think something else I was thinking about was just like kind of how backwards our family upbringing was and like just, you know, we were raised apostolic. We like, you know, the long dresses, the uncut hair, no tattoos, no piercings, anyone that knows like, you know, apostolic Pentecostal um, when we were kids. And so in a way it's like, we've evolved to be even more outspoken. Like, you know, like the piercings or the tattoos or the haircuts, or the purple hair or the braids, or like, you know, whatever yeah. we're trying. Um, and like that expression part matters, like just a lot to us as in, in individuals on this team, right? Like just being able to express and then being able to find work. I think for me, like I was a traveling musician. Like I thought I was gonna be in a band. I gave it 150%. I had a lie in the sand, but it was like, I was all in. And I was learning like um, album art, and like how to create with others and t-shirts and how to book a tour and how to sell once you're there and how to perform and create this performance that's packaged and that's like telling a story of who we are as band members and like you know i was really learning that stuff and when i let that go i felt like well that's my creative outlet like i think most of us like that first thing that's like a creative outlet for us is the one that we're just like that's our thing mm -hmm. and for me it was music for you it was photos i mean i know you love singing and all those things too like me but but yeah. like, you know, like the, um, cause we grew up in church, like, you know, yeah. we might as well be Katy yeah, Perry, yeah, but we're not, um, no, but like, you know, for me, it was music for you as photography. And now we're doing so much different things. You're like helping me create, uh, PR packages and websites and, and package product packaging and product development and all these other ways that we are like creative. Yeah. And like, for me, commerce is like, oh my God, I didn't really realize that I actually just like being creative and that there's a whole bunch of things I can do to fill that. Yeah, there, it's very full circle. And yeah, I started with photography and then I realized there's like so much more. It's like, and even beyond Amazon and creating on the platform, it's like, how do we tie in social media? How do we tie in websites, um, email marketing? And all of it goes together to make a package. It's a lot of work, but it's cool to see it like, oh, I'm sending out a marketology email. And if you see that email, you go to our website, you have the same feeling, the same credibility. It seems professional. I mean, we are professional, but it just like brings us to that next level. And that builds like brand trust, like all kinds of things that goes beyond just like a pretty graphic or um, a pretty photo. No, I think I was I was bought in early even. Um, I tell the story, but me and Vern went to like a, a real estate conference. We were just trying to learn how to invest in real estate. We took like it was like a two day weekend uh, crash course, you know, and 
I remember the speaker was so impactful, like almost had us in tears. He was talking about his brother and his why and all this stuff. You know, we're emotional. <laughs> he was doing a good job. He was doing a good he was we were looped in. Like we were like, it's a boring real estate conversation, really, but like we're hooked. And we, I was like obsessed. I started looking him up on social media and he had no social presence or anything. And I remember coming back and being like making just like this little promise that's like, I'm not gonna be successful and like have no personal branding, no branding. And that's that's when we went all in. Yeah. And that's how I feel like even now, like we're starting to dive in a little bit into TikTok and like looking at ads at TikTok and then you go to the page and there's no content. It like takes away from the trust. You think it's a scam. You think, um, you know, it's a foreign seller. Like, is it the shipping going to be three months? Like it, all those questions goes into the consumer's brain. So when you even just do like the base level of content, it gives you all those questions are gone. They're like, Oh, this is a legitimate brand. Um, this is what they're about. This is what they're doing. And you bring it in. And so that goes like, it's from been from the beginning, with, like Instagram and Facebook. And now to TikTok, it's like, you have to do it. Um, even if it's the bare minimum. Yep. It's like, what? It's like, it's, it's authenticity piece. You yeah. Know? We say like no branding is bad branding. It's like, if you have nothing, even if it's like, you know, sometimes like get the job done, it's not perfect. But if you have nothing, then you're you have bad branding. It's bad for your brand. I I was remembering um, like when we were just trying to figure out this authenticity piece. Right. So it's like, you know, Amazon sellers are like uh, afraid of China's pricing. Like, oh, my God, China sellers are just like knocking off my products like we can't compete. And these different challenges we had where we were like, we just have a quality product like like X Torch, for example, is a higher price product, but it was like one that gave back, like did, it had mission focus behind it. And we had a higher price point. And we were just like, okay, let's do amazing branding. Um, not just like in that simple context of branding, but it was like, okay, if we're going to sell this higher price item, like we have to really like level up. And um, from like the personal brand looks to like um, the results, like I was talking about with the sponge listing and seeing the results there, or like simply like, okay, when we take a photo if I post on social media, like it was, it started with social media, right? And it was like, I post on social media and if it's just me, I get a lot of likes. Or if it's just a picture of my house, I don't get as many likes. Or if it's a picture of me and my mom or baby jet, I get a lot of likes. Mm -hmm. And like the analytics behind seeing people engage with it, I think first with us, it started on social and then we took that to Amazon. Like, cause there wasn't that direct, like, okay, see all of your data and your results. Amazon wasn't telling us that, but it was like, if this works for social media, how can it not work on on Amazon? And that's how I kind of applied this like brand story strategy to our Amazon sellers. It's like we have these brands and some of them have really amazing stories and people buy into stories and they'll pay a higher price for a story. So like, you know, you have like the Instagram people and they have all these followers because they like have this like family story or a pet story or something that um brings in and people are like okay i'm going to invest in them because i care about their story and so they'll even pay a higher price because they're like oh there's a small business there's a woman-owned business and so putting that in the strategy of the graphics we created this thing called like a brand story graphic and you just give them a little bit information so when they are going to your listing um they can tell the difference between a china seller um or foreign seller and be like okay uh, yeah, this is priced a little bit more, but I know why, and I'm going to give that to them. Um, so, and that is something that I've seen is like made improvements 
to where people are worried about that is like, okay, well, why would they pay $2 more? Like, let's tell them why. Yeah. And it started like with social, it was about likes or it was about like just look and appearance and branding. And like, it wasn't really tied to monetization. But when we took those kind of like those learnings that we spent thousands of hours with on social media, and then we took that to Amazon, um, it was like, oh, wow. You know, like things like, um, things like, pick food came out and you know then a b testing on amazon and different stuff like that where we could actually test some of the things we were trying or or we would we would you know make changes to a brand and see just like conversion rates rise and be like oh my gosh this is really cool and when you start like getting success with that i know for me and i think you can you'll resonate to this too is um we started wanting to only work with brands or sellers that had something that we could bring to life like yeah. you know you, you can't just bring a story out of nothing and so it was like okay now we've seen what happens when you have a good story and it cares about telling their story too yeah so you have to have those people who are like um the branding and the creatives and the content are important just like the looking at the amount of money you can make with one image versus six it's like the data is here even if it's not perfect, if we put this here, you'll have more success. And like having people who care about that. Because not everyone, some people are just like, that's not important to me. I don't want to spend the money. Or they don't understand that the upfront cost of creatives, creatives is an investment. And it always pays you back. Right. It always pays you back. Like that's a, we should make that a clip because, <laughs> you know, it is an investment. That's like, yeah, once you've invested in it, it's not to say that you're done. But it is something that's like a fixed cost in some ways. And it's like once it's done, you're good. Like you've got your red you've got your black suit or your gray suit and you're able to wear that like for formal occasions for a long time. You've invested in a nice suit, you know? Um, and I think that that's kind of how I feel with photography and branding. And now like to even take it to the next level where like the aggregators and the roll-ups and everyone's trying to buy companies specifically on Amazon. And then you look and you're like, what are the requirements that they're looking for? They're like, well, we're looking for a package brand right like and it's like duh well that's what we've been working on because we see that those results matter um they know that too they're like if this brand has no images we're gonna have to do all of that and they're not it's not going to be the success so that we want exactly it's a big it's a big risen cost okay so from you know when you join the team to creating the creative department had baby jet Right. And now you're back working in a new role with me more closely and yes. something that we've needed. Um, let's talk about that a little bit and why, like, you know, I mean, I can I can say why I'm excited about it and like, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do. But to, this is a show by founders for founders. So mm -hmm. I think that there's other teams out there that listen and tune in. It's not just like customers. Right. It's people trying to run their own teams. Um, why have we made kind of our special forces team? Well, I think that. You know, you always talk about like working on your brand and in your brand or your company. It's like you output all the time. But if you're not doing like Brooke will talk about how she's working on systems, right? If you don't work on the in your brand and like developing that, you you get behind and you lose. Um, and so we're working on taking our branding and how we present ourselves to the next level. Um, you know, it's like when you're working on everyone else's brand, your brand kind of gets lost. You're busy. There's only so many hours in a day and you want your clients to be successful. Um, so I transitioned to focusing just on how we can make our brand and how we present the best possible. Yeah. So 
to our listeners out there, like it's a special role. We're definitely like trying to innovate ourselves. And, you know, we do a lot of branding and, and marketing consulting and strategy for other brands. Um, but like every team, you're like, okay, well, so-and-so is busy on this and so-and-so is busy on this. And okay, but where are we going to put that in the queue? And how do we execute? Well, in order to stay fast and I think relevant and do a much more focused job, um, we've got Row heading up like basically special projects along with a designer and a writer to kind of create this three woman team. Um, yeah, like three woman team that can just move quick. So whether it's like slides for a presentation, whether it's our email marketing, whether it's like new, cause we're, we're working on a lot of brands and products ourselves to building our own brand. So, you know, the product development piece of, of the aesthetics and how does this look? And, um, it's something that we're in year eight is something that I wish I've wished I've had for nine years. Uh, and we're only in business eight, but it's just like, it's something that we never seem to be able to, um, allocate for. Mm -hmm. And I think it's I think it's going to make a huge difference. I think it's awesome, too, because we're diving back into um, social. It's like I kind of feel like I started there and now I'm back there with a lot of other things. But we are so busy. You know, we're not creating content. We have so much so many things to say. Um, we have you know tips and, um, you know, we've done so much and we've, we have no space to tell it. Cause we've just been too busy. It's like, you can't, if you're working a million hours on your clients, you don't have time to um, create the content that's needed to express that. Um, so focusing on like making platform specific content and videos and uh, you know, our PR stuff and all of that, it's, it's been super fun because it's been down the pipeline for so long. It's like, we're finally here. Yeah. We can finally say like, we've been <laughs> just like, hoarding all of this information for so long um and then to be able to like put it out there yeah for me it's like it's exciting because we're pra we're getting to practice what we preach yeah. right and we get we get to do it for others um but now we're able to do the same things that we're telling brands they need to be doing which is like you know we're creating content on the podcast we're creating content at speaking events like we're creating content for all these brands but a lot of it's proprietary and it's not stuff we get to share with everyone so it's a specifically different tasks to create it to show the world and I know like when we were smaller, we got opportunities to do that, like on YouTube and different things we were doing, um, you know, before we scaled and tripled in size, I think in the last couple of years. So um, it's it's fun to be doing that. And I know that it's something that I um, I'm specifically excited about to have like a dedicated thought, a dedicated thought to our story. And it's something that's unique to to the Marknology family is like, we just have a very unique story as people, as siblings, as family, as like a company out of Kansas city, as storytellers, um, that we're unique in that way. And so we started in a small way, being able to tell that story, but being able to dig in, uh, is going to be really fun. And, and some of the projects we're getting to work on seem like, you know, really top tier, um, projects. I don't want to share it with everyone, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I think they're going to be really cool. Stay tuned. Follow us. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm always one of the ones that overshares. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to like keep some of this to ourselves um, it, so that we can release it. It is going to be fun. I know we've been, we tell our clients all the time just about that full circle marketing and having that same experience from place to place um, and to actually be able to do that um, whenever, because we get so many compliments on our website when clients like go and look at our team. And um, I am excited to have that to the next level even to like really showcase our work because we do amazing work um and we're just a little sometimes a little bit too busy to share it and now that's the goal it's like i want 
you know, I want the world to see like we're doing things that are super innovative um, and it's something that you should you should be watching yeah no watch me watch us work right watch yeah. us work that's our slogan um okay so one thing i think that was really cool just thinking about this is like one thing i'm proud of us for as a team is like the flexibility or the open-mindedness of like switching roles and like you know we've had austin that started in social media and now he's like running the uh account he's running the account manager and like um even Brooklyn and Veronica switching roles, even me. Um, we've just had like you, you switch roles multiple times. Yeah. Um, you know, we just have this like kind of like where am I needed mindset and mentality, but also what do I like to do? What do I enjoy to do? And I think that that's something I'm giving to anyone listening is like, it's okay to be like, I started here. I invested time. I invested years here. But like whenever you step out of it a little bit, you're like, oh, being an account manager at the beginning taught me this. Oh, being in social media taught me this. Okay, creating story and brand created me this. Okay, I'm back to social media. How do I bring those things yeah. all together? And, and it's hard. Like, it's almost that, like, what got me here won't get me there when you're switching, but really it comes full circle. Yeah, I think I've had the most jobs. Yeah, the, the most versatile MVP, 100%. <laughs> and I, I was thinking of this funny story just to tell on Ro a little bit. Like, she loves animals. And... um we have a brand that we have uh, equity in mm -hmm. waggity is one of our brands has been with us. I think we've been building it for over six years mm -hmm. uh, and working with Ben Balanson, um, a favorite client He's and friend of ours. Um, but we had, we went from, we did a rebrand. We used to be the Institute of pet nutrition and then we rebranded to waggity to be younger and more fun and more engaging. And I think we also made the move to go from like um, stock photos to like real, real animals we were trying to be more authentic and more like engaging and really all it was is like a chance a reason for Roe to just hang out with animals all the time i've probably shot or photographed um a hundred dogs yes so like just in the office we're always like oh a puppy oh a golden doodle oh a doberman oh a pit bull oh like a retriever like we've just we've turned into a not an animal shelter but we definitely I was like, I think Ro played me on that one. I'm not really sure. We've, we've moved on from that, too. I do say, like, if you want to have, like, an ever-changing uh, photography career, get into product photography. Because one day you'll be shooting a shampoo. The next day you'll be shooting a dog. Like, your life is an oyster. Uh, adult really toys. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> faith-based products. Like, we keep it interesting <laughs> over here. and everything. And you have to make it work. Awesome. Well, coming up on our time, um, I want to do the same thing kind of and like, you know, what's one thing that, um, you know, you're working on outside of like maybe a specific project of one of our products or something that you're working on that you're excited about? Uh, there's so many things that I'm excited about. Um, I will say just like create like we talked about this a little bit before, but creating the content that's very platform specific and learning from that and being able to bring our story to life. I'm just so passionate about our story. Um, it's, I think it's an amazing story and it needs to be shared and we haven't had that chance. So to be able to dig in, one, it's fun for me because it's, you know, doing things like you love for other clients is another thing, but then you're like doing it with every, all the passion and love that you have for the company, um, being able to share that. It's just, it's amazing. I'm basically diving into everything, like our baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then being able to like, oh, look at it. 
yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what good timings. Yes. So. Okay. And um, just for fun, like, you know, what was, what's been one thing, um, you know, being with us, like, I don't know, it's been forever, six, seven years. I don't know. How long do you, how long have you been with us? I mean, we moved. Even part-time. We moved back in the beginning of 2016. So six years. Yeah. Okay. So six years, um, you know, people trying to like evolve and work in their business and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, What's one thing you'd share to maybe someone that's not, they're not where we're at, where we're able to have a small team working on this. What's one thing you would share with them um, to like get started telling their own, their own story? Um, I think just even though sometimes it's hectic and busy is to take the time. And I know that uh, V and I would like do like a weekend hang or something. And we'd be like, okay, let's talk about content for us. And like really putting that time, like definitely is not to the level now and it wasn't perfect, um, but it was getting done and we would strategize. And it was like, to us, it was like basically a hang. <laughs> but just to like take that a little extra time, even though it feels very overwhelming. Um, because it has such a great reward. Um, I also would just say is like, even when things seem tough or you don't understand like the full picture, um, just to keep going and that I, my life, my life motto is everything always works out. And that's because you put in the hard work, um, and it takes time. Um, but just keep going and it will be Awesome. Thanks, Ro. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Uh, shout out to again to our sponsor for today's episode, Making 100 Possible. Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Last but not least, we have Brooklyn joining. We're going to get into her story, like her joining the team, what she's working on, um, and what she's got for you guys. It's going to be great. Last but not least, my youngest sister, uh, Brooklyn Joe. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. So I'm always talking, um, anyone listening just hears me talk about my sisters. I rarely clarify which one I'm talking about or, you know, we just talk, I just tell stories. Um, but Brooklyn is uh, absolutely pivotal at our team, um, has helped us scale really the account team um, virtually and here in Kansas City um, and is working hand in hand with me right now on some of the things that have been put to the side that that in the business stuff like um scaling and processing so we're going to get into her story first and then jump into kind of what's new and fun and exciting as an agency not just as amazon consultants but as an agency what we're working on brooklyn um haven't had you you don't do a lot of content so i'm excited to have you on here and just get people to know you um what year did you come and join Marknology? do you remember um it would have been about six years ago so 2016 2016 as a copywriter um you were working with horses uh you were working in a stable at the time you were serving um you were working on a video game project i think at the time several years i was also freelance seo writing with upwork okay yeah so i remember we had that combo because that was how i got my start on marknology and i was like hey this is a great way to have some side work um i think you're working for a couple of question magazines it was super cool and a fun time but did not pay well yeah did not it was not about paying well it was like using like finding something that you liked and you know trying to find a side hustle um 
did you start with us like specifically writing was it seo yeah i started with that same giant client that veronica did um khalid doing stickers and decals and mugs for firefighters marines oh right okay it's coming back to me yeah and so we had those giant spreadsheets and we wanted specific seo for every single listing so every listing got modified to have a couple of keywords in it and i would just do it in bulk yeah so to people that don't remember, like these days are just like it was a different time on Amazon. It was about getting like massive amounts of product up. Um, but we were not just doing the giveaways and things like that that were kind of popular at the time. We were really trying to push keywords and do it in mass. So, you know, we would research firefighter mugs or gifts for firefighters or things like that, pick those keywords up and we're writing listings by the thousands, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Cross referencing and copy pasting depending on if it was a mug or a firefighter and we got it done somehow. Okay. So did you like, just be be as honest as you want to be? Like, was it really about just like, you know, getting a chance to work with me and V or was it like you kind of were like getting into e-commerce at that time? I'm not sure we've ever even had this conversation. Um, Why did I do it? Yeah. Well, basically I really needed the money and I didn't want to tell you guys. So I, you know, of course was just wanted to work with you guys and see what you were doing, but anything I could do to get my foot in the door of writing, which is what I thought my career path was going to be. It's a lot different than that now. Yeah. Well, it turns out we can hire other people to write. We can't hire other people to do what I do. Correct. So, um, let's talk about some of that because, you know, really you've become, um, like our, one of our lead strategists here in regards to brand strategy and what brands are doing on Amazon and what they need to be thinking about and bringing all the data together. And, um, you know, it's changed a lot from when there was four of us mm-hmm. to a team of 36 and, you know, running that at scale. The thing that always comes to mind with me was XArt. Yeah. Right. That was a big pivotal move for me when you finally handed over the reins to that account and, um, they got to see me as a professional and not just like as one of your assistants. Yeah. And it was, you never one of my assistants, but you know, I think whenever you're like trying to start something, a lot of people just see the founder and they're like, okay, I want Andrew on it or Andrew's got to be involved or, um, and when I'm doing, when I was doing the most, what I knew is that I wasn't the best person for the job. Like I was, you know, they're going to be better off with someone that was dedicated to it. But to me, when I think about us scaling and kind of what your focus has been on for years is like helping us scale the team um, was we had like 200 listings a spring, I think, like Mm -hmm. with A plus pages that we were launching on a schedule and we had never done anything of that size, like intentionally. Right. We wanted them to be launched quickly and correctly and to, to really be able to take off from an ads perspective as soon as they got inventory. Um, which required a lot of coordination and a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah. So we went from the photography part to the, which we were doing because we were doing their social media and everything. So we were doing their photography for the new listings to the SEO for the listings mm-hmm. to the A plus pages for the listings, um, creating, variations. creating variations. And then eventually the Salsify integration, yes. that was a big, big play. We, when, when we brought Salsify on board, uh, but then also then then being ready with PPC. And then also the trickiness of this one was that it was an outdoor brand. And so um, the seasonality was short. So like while you have like a quick ramp up, you also had a quick ramp down. And that was just it really brought in every single department of our business into one brand all at the same time. And it had to be coordinated well to execute. And I feel like that was really the starting point of us having a, a scaled oiled machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the team, you know, knew what they were doing, but they definitely needed someone who could communicate with all sides. And after being kind of a fly on the wall, watching you and Veronica do that, I just was able to communicate with the team extremely effectively um, and keeping the ship moving on all different parts, not only with XArt, but with the other 40 brands that we were managing at the time. So you you started with like writing, but like what I know of you is like you've built your own gaming computer, like, you know, you're involved in code, like um, all that kind of stuff in your personal time, like had cared about like tech and computers and gaming and stuff like that. And then like with work was writing, but there's a big part to Amazon and selling on Amazon that I feel like is gamification, right? And the way that the algorithm works and that kind of stuff. At what point did you start seeing it more like that than just like, I mean, uh, a side hustle or, or like Probably individual parts? day one, to be honest, because I would get those projects from you guys and I would just turn on the timer and see how many listings I could get done. And every day I would keep track and try and get more and more done to become more efficient just right from the get-go what i can say speaking for like veronica um and roe probably is like the three of us i feel like we tend to be more on the creative side like just like we're creative like we are more like not more imaginative or whatever but just like (laughs) our little sister was the one always organizing her room like always creating like colored templates and like the tabs on the folders and like making everything organized um and for us adding you to the team was just like that secret sauce that we really needed to bring where we can still be creative and do our thing. But then we had someone thinking about system and process and like, how can we scale this thing? Um, And I I think a lot of companies, they might start with that and that might be their thing and they struggle to get creative or creative teams that struggle to get organized, to be able to scale. Um, And for us, it just so happens that we're siblings, Um, but definitely getting you, um, on the team transferred quickly from just like writing and being like a second to me on template files. Cause I think the template files became um, a really, really big part of everything we did from the SEO to organizing it, to working with remote teams, to you can solve a lot of problems with flat files. Um, if, you know how to use them. if you know how to use them. Right. And um, I think that was really the first thing that we got good at um, was the flat files. Um, they don't work as well. well. They work a lot better now than they used to, I'll say four or five years ago. You used to have to do a ton of troubleshooting. Um, and me and Veronica would just sit next to each other and I would read her off errors and we would just keep resubmitting until we got it figured out because, you know, we couldn't have our clients having errors. Like it was our professionalism on the table and we were experts and we had to figure it out even if Amazon system was broken. Right. Like how many times guys, like, how many times did we like, oh, we uploaded the wrong file or we crossed, like something happened in our CSVs, like mixed and the data's off or the UPCs like yeah. switched up. Like, I mean, whether that's our fault or a mistake or it just happens, I remember hours and hours and hours being spent fixing stuff. Not knowing that if you upload a UPC with a template file, Amazon can kick you out a new ASIN or knowing that you need to submit the UPC in certain circumstances instead of the ASIN because the Amazon system just didn't work correctly caused massive issues. Now that we learned how to fix those, it makes everything else now seem easy. I remember one time in the early days where I, I think it was a CSV, like tab delimited, and all my UPCs like concatenated. So it was like, you know, the original numbers and at the end it just all went to like zeros because it like wiped them out. And so I went from having like this massive upload file 
to like all of my UPCs being just washed, ruined. And if you know anything about Amazon, you know that once you've listed a product with a UPC, like you can't switch it. And just absolute catastrophe um, if you're not organized and like, okay, so then you have somebody else uploading a file and someone makes a change and someone's uploading a file. And it might seem silly, but if you're trying to run a team where you're working on, you know, 40 or 50 projects at the same time, all with different files, um, it became a huge undertaking for us. We had to have systems and we needed them fast. Okay, so that's, I, I really was setting us up mm -hmm. to talk about what we're doing today. Um, I think we've been in six months involved with Escala. I'll give them a plug on the show. Um, Yoni and their team is just absolutely amazing out of Israel. Um, I think they're Israel-based, Tel Aviv, but I know they're back and forth all the time. So um, Escala is a team that essentially comes in, helps you like sit down with your team, business consultants, and help you create systems and process. Um, and it's not something that's just hands off easy button. It's definitely something that's been a ton of heavy lifting on our side as well. Um, but something that I feel like we've all believed has been like super important. Um, I feel like we're getting close to the finish line. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like it's going to do for us? Talk, let's just talk about that process in general. Like, what do you feel like it's going to do for us as we go forward? So Escala is to us, I think what Martinology is to a lot of clients is, is a guiding hand and um, just an extra pair of ears. I can't sit down with every one of our 30 members of staff and isolate what they do for 40 hours a week and write that down and make it look. Um, Escala is built to understand people's processes and find ways to improve that over time. So they've been interviewing our staff, you know, hours and hours and hours, one by one, every single thing that they do, which isn't the same thing every week, documenting it and um, basically isolating our proprietary systems. Okay, so we're making a couple outside of Escala, and some of these recommendations came from that. But we're doing a ton of overhauling from trying to find, you know, SaaS companies, trying to find, you know, software that essentially fills our need as an agency that's growing. Um, and what comes to mind is, again, that cliche saying of like, what got us here won't get us there. And we're having to upgrade our project management software. We're having to upgrade our account management software, our reporting software. Um, all the way down to our SOPs, you know, from warehousing and our fulfillment center to our ads team to international expansion, you name it. Um, a lot of heavy lift, but it feels like one of those things that's like slow, 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 slow rocket ship. Right. Well, a lot of it I don't really want to release to the team until it's absolutely ready to go. Um, I spend a lot of time vetting softwares and trying to break them and just making sure that they're rock solid before I present them to the team or to our clients. Yeah. Since technology is such an important part of Martinology, it really needs to be the best of the best. Yeah. And I think that what people don't understand is like, whenever you're learning a new software, like if every one of our clients had a different software, two or three or four that we're having to touch, that's like a big learning curve for us to have to be able to learn and onboard a new software and know everything about it to the point of being able to solve problems with it. Um, and so just making sure that if we're there solving problems, we have the best tools. Um, and I think we spend a lot of money and even more so in time between if me and you vet it and then, you know, think about even if just 30 team members spend two to three hours learning a software, like, you know, we, we've spent almost 100 hours on, on a new software. And so how important it is to, to vet it and make sure it works before we're handing it over. Marnology beta tests a lot of software, not because we like finding stuff that's new, but just because Amazon is still such a new space. New software is getting released all the time. Right. And we always want to try and find the best of the best. Or we are like innovating too much that we break it. Yeah. 
in some ways. Well, uh, they make promises, so we have to. <laughs> yeah, and then we find its limitations, and you know, we we move on. I'm excited, honestly, about so much of the innovation in software because there hasn't been a lot of software made for agencies managing multiple brands. It's been more so for that Amazon seller that's managing one account and what they're doing, and so whether it's drop down features, the ability to switch between them, the ability to connect multiple accounts, like all those things that come into play with an agency play versus that Amazon seller. Um, I find like finding those efficiencies and those optimizations to be a lot of fun. Um, but it's not really what I saw when I thought about scaling my company. It, it wasn't right. where I thought I would spend my time. Yeah. Well, I think I get that from our dad because I am just constantly looking for efficiencies and ways to save the team time. You know, if we've got 30 people and I can save each of them a day or an hour a week, like that adds up a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's like an investment, right? Like we were talking about with creative, you're investing like it's a one-time investment that can pay off forever. Yeah. When you think about like, sometimes I walk into a grocery store and I'll see like those little signs that's like, make sure you put four items in a bag to save two cents. You know, it's like those, those big chains are doing all of these little things to save pennies and we've got to apply the same principles to, to our team in bulk. Yeah, no, like I was just um, demoing Smart Scout just to like bring an example to the listeners. Like I was demoing Smart Scout. It's Scott Needham's uh, software and his podcast, The Smartest Seller. If you guys tune into him, you should check him out. Um, and the software has a feature where if you put your product packaging in and you can connect to your API and everything. But if you're kind of like a Gatita tool that helps you with refunds, but this one is instead to say, hey, if you shave off fourth of an inch here and a quarter of an inch here on your packaging, you can save $1.25. And it tells you like what to change to get to the next tier of price savings. And when you've been doing this just as long as we have, like, you know, for me, 11 plus years, you start to realize that uh, a, a couple cents here, a couple cents here, 5% here, 2% here, you add all of that up and it's like a ton of savings, not just across an Amazon brand, but then add that to an agency. Um, and it's stuff you're doing you know, I think that there's, there's, there is a sin here, if I can say that, for lack of a better word, that is trying to over-optimize and over-systemize anything to where you lose the ability to be creative and innovative because you're just so stuck in your systems. But still I think you still have to be fast. And I think we are light years away from being that optimized that we are stuck in our ways. Um, but it is something where I see agencies or teams get super efficient, let's say outsourcing, and they just have SOPs in place and templates in place and team members in place that do that. And they're just kicking out work that feels very templatized instead of having that kind of human approach. So for us, it's, it's trying to find that perfect blend. It's kind of why Escala is so great is they're coming in with a completely different perspective than what we do and are able to, you know, show us things we might be missing that I had never even considered. You um, don't know what you don't know. Little things like, you know, making sure you have team values written down. And there's just so much to cover so quickly when you're growing a business like this um, that it, you know, I think outside audits are hugely important to growth when you get systemized. Right. And I'm, I think even more so when we are even more buttoned up, getting that outside audit or that outside um, consultant will be even more valuable because it will be a lot more buttoned up for them to then see those differences. And I mean, I know we have so far to go because there's so many different departments you can get better in, but just just the um for us like the momentum i think we feel as a team by intentionally in all these areas working um you know intentionally working on optimization of mm -hmm. our systems and process or our, our teams or our branding or our marketing um is everything you need as a founder to feel like we're moving the right direction 
our team really supports it too. They're always excited and on board with me with all of my new uh, adventures that I take them on. Okay, let's talk. Um, let's talk about maybe a, a tool that we're using outside of a Scala, like something you found that like a software or a systems or a process that we've put in place or that we've discovered. That's that's like just a fun one. Okay. Um, well, I don't really want to give anything away. Okay. 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 Um, but we have found a new software um, that we're currently beta testing right now. They've reached um, an internal limitation. So that's one of the reasons why we have to beta test is you don't know they're going to have trouble until you get into the thick of it. Um, but so far it's already saved the team probably 30, 30 hours or so in the last week. Wow. That's incredible. So I didn't know un- that. It's unbelievable. Okay. Well, someone's getting a raise. No, just, uh, just kidding. Um, no, like these are the fun, these are the things that like I've been obsessing about in regards to like what are our KPIs as teams? Like at our mid management level, you know, from ads to account team to creative team to SEO team to you know the brand protection team or the case management team, the case log teams. Like, what are our KPIs? How do we manage the brands internally that we're managing, and then how do we manage our own teams? And there hasn't been really like software that existed for that. So it was something we had to build ourselves, right? right? Whether it was like reporting tools for clients or, um, you know, different things like that, where we're combining spreadsheets and making our own end of month reports and our own trackers. Um, and now being able to find really because of, in my opinion, the um, appearance of aggregators in our space that have brought a bunch of money to these software companies and made it like a blue ocean for them to like create product and sell it um, is now then bringing those tools to us. Um but ones that like, so we can spend some time, we can spend more time on the things that like we're truly passionate about mm-hmm. as a team and less time just gathering data. Yeah, um, I will plug in ClickUp, which is a software that we're working towards later this year um, into integrating. And it's automated dashboard systems really give you incredible visibility, not only into your specific team, but into your clients goals as well. Um, we are manually keeping track of all of our clients' goals now and their individual KPIs, and that really drives the team's own KPIs. Yeah. If they're meeting my clients' goals, I don't really care if you know they're spending 45 minutes on a project. Or- yeah, no, 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 that's so good. And something I've been thinking about, I went to a, um, a leadership thing this week. Just, they had a, a speaker. He was a decorated um, Air Force pilot that you know, fought in multiple wars and like has written a book. He's a colonel, uh, survived cancer. And he was just talking about how KPIs, like people chasing KPIs. I know we get frustrated with clients that are focused on their own KPIs all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just having a KPI, just because you're hitting a KPI doesn't doesn't really mean anything in, in the wrong perspective. Right. Right. And so how do we determine what are the right KPIs? What is our perspective? What are we going after? What's the why behind the KPIs? I think some people can get so tied up and just like, this is a KPI we have to focus on. This is a KPI we have to focus on instead of getting the big picture of what's the immediate strategy that we're going for. It really does vary client to client. And that's what part of what makes our analogy so special is I allow every single client to come to me with their own goals. And a lot of times after talking to me and Veronica for a couple of months, they decide to change those KPIs and and focus on what really matters to them and to their team. So it's different if you're talking to the CEO or if you're talking to an account manager of a brand. True. Um, So you've got to be flexible. And at the end of the day, we're here to serve. So if those are the KPIs you want to focus on, that's what we'll focus on. But we will also advise you 
in other areas as well to make sure that you have a healthy, well-rounded business. Okay, let's switch gears just a little bit. I want to give you a chance to talk about something outside of our, our systems and process that's our obsession. Okay. Um, you know, like uh, the the e-commerce, the Amazon landscape is changing a ton, right? We're in an economic depression for, for the most part. Supply chain is tough. Inflation's rising. Interest rates are rising. Um, businesses are selling left and right, rolling up. Um, you know, as it gets harder, I know that me and you are of the, of the mindset, like we like a good challenge, you know? And so you're working with clients on the day to day, we're launching new brands, um, and we're getting, we're still winning. We're still getting success. Um, despite the difficulty, what's something you would say just to people listening and wondering, like kind of almost a state of the union about just like what you're seeing as, as challenges out there right now, what brands are going through, mm -hmm. like just on the general, like as an Amazon seller, um, give I, I share my like lay of the land all the time but i'd love to just hear like some of your thoughts about what's going on right now what you're seeing yeah um i would say that brands need to stay flexible and mobile um as the economy changes you need to be prepared to adjust your pricing um to raise it even to be to send in shipments quicker um or maybe pivot and change the way that you're packaging things um we work with a client i'll plug in west drive who recently innovated the way that they send an inventory by um, shrink wrapping everything to save on Amazon's poly wrapping fees that they had acquired due to previous sellers that they're working with. This is going to save them a ton. It's going to help them win the buy box, but they had to buy a huge machine, implement it into their warehouse, teach their staff how to use it. And they've got it up and running in about 60 days. And that's going to be a pivotal point in their business. Yeah being able to pivot, being able to switch up what you're doing, but like not everybody can do that, right? So in some ways it's why Marknology has focused on larger brands and manufacturers, even though that's not necessarily what we just love. Like I still love working with the smaller brands and bringing those stories to life. Okay, she's ready, she's okay. ready. So so like a manufacturer can make that change and you have to have a, an owner that's willing to make it work. Um, but there's, there's honestly ways all across the board that you can be like changing or researching or pivoting into to be more successful. What's, what's something else you got? So um, I've got two. Just, okay. just took me a second. So one is I'd like to talk about Unwasted. So she sells a fantastic product. It's a variety pack of seven silicone lids that fits her product. She's been selling it successfully for years, runs a very um, well-run business, but ha doesn't have necessarily the funds in this economic climate to go purchase additional inventory. Okay. So instead, she's taking that seven pack and breaking it down and putting all the different sizes together to make additional pack sizes with the inventory that she already has on hand. I love it. This has allowed her to expand her catalog 7x to offer seven additional products without having to purchase any additional inventory, which she can then wait six months or so and repurchase again. Smart. Um, I'd say like Thornell, for instance, is a brand that we work with, has been changing their strategy kind of back and forth, trying to figure out what works best for them in the moment. Um, we're expanding internationally. You know, we've, we've dropped Vendor Central and some other partners to focus solely on growing the brand. They've redone photography. They've basically taken their brand and completely flipped it and are exceeding their goals almost too rapidly. Uh, which is can also be a common issue. Yeah, and let's talk to the details of that. So like, you know, basically, they they were selling through resellers, Correct. right? Um, through Vendor Central or 1P retail, Amazon retail. Um, we were brought on to help them bring their brand to life, their story to life, as well as go direct in 3P, mm -hmm. um, which is a completely different business model. You know, what you don't realize is like, if a brand <clears throat> is getting paid up front for POs, pallet in, pallet out, and then they switch to 
doing several hundred thousand in sales, like direct sales through like a seller central or a third party, um, they're now fronting all that inventory instead of getting paid up front. So lots of challenges, but more margin mm -hmm. as they're selling at directly at retail, we're able to control map pricing um, and able to see like what the customers are actually searching to make purchases. And is it brand searches and top of funnel or is it keyword driven searches? And, um, you know, one thing about Unwasted that came to mind, you, you mentioned international expansion with Thornell and, and we're, we're doing well there as well. Um, but like if you have limited inventory, you can't go out and buy more. You have overstock. What's another play you can make, um, you know, to increase revenues with the same product you've already bought? Well, international expansion. Everyone needs to sell in Canada, basically. Yeah, everyone needs to sell in Canada as the easy lift. Um, but honestly, Amazon Australia, Amazon Europe, all great plays, just plays that take six to nine months to 12 months to develop. You know, um, you can get launched quicker than that. But I mean, like before it starts becoming a real revenue stream. But is a year or two really a long time to wait for an entirely new international business? No. No, um, we just are used to moving really fast. But you know, if you start planning that out, like a country a year, even as a as a brand, that's like, I don't know, what's our going to be our next greatest product? Okay, well, if you have a great product now, where else can we be selling that? Um, you know, I think about some of the other things like uh, Chewy.com, Walmart, not not that all of these are like major lifts for everyone, but for the right products can be ways to to pivot in this time as well defensively as well you may not know that you need to be there until you've checked out the market um and you can protect yourself from damage down the line by just taking those really early easy steps now what is one thing and i have something that i'm thinking of but like with all the brands we're working with right now um and the things holding us back or like or growing the accounts um there's rising prices there's competition there's you know cpc costs rising by 50 percent um supply chain of, of those things, what do you think would be the most impactful um, that that sellers are on your side of the account calls like what that sellers are struggling with? Well, inventory is two commandments of the 10 commandments for a reason. Yeah. So I know that a lot of that is outside of their control, whether it's manufacturing or costs or not being able to get the right lids for your product. But um, I would say order now and order as much as you can. Yeah, I think the winners, if they're not the manufacturers themselves, are figuring out ways to double down on inventory and finding ways to store it and finding ways to have it on hand so when the supply chain starts hurting the smaller players along the way they they are secured and so that might be you know tough on cash flow and a lot of money out of pocket but it also just means that you're you're in it for the long run and you're going to be able to there be there to stay especially if you've got a shelf stable product that isn't facing expiry dates like put it in your back bedroom. You know, you don't need a guest room. Fill it with inventory instead. I love it. Um, we could go for days. I know she just deals with problems all day long with the accounts and solves them. So I, I just want to pick her brain a little bit and talk to some of what sellers are doing out there to stay creative, innovative, stay fast, stay ahead. Um, we talked big brands and small brands and all of those examples. And there's, you know, there's things you can do. I think one thing that I love about our team is our ability to uh, think guerrilla warfare when it comes to like strategy and just thinking outside the box, like, you know, taking a seven pack and breaking it down to multiple offers or, um, you know, thinking about expanding internationally to find extra sales or, you know, launching in Australia to, to be uh, with a seasonal product to be combating seasonality. Um, you know, if you're a seller, if you're a brand, um, as the economy and everything gets tougher, 
you just have to be willing to do more and think more creatively and, and um, you know, try new things. Okay, so as we wrap up, what's one thing, um, you know, we talked about what you've been doing, we talked about supply chain, we talked about all those things. But if, if let's go back to the process combo, I just want to end with that one. And what's one thing you would say to a team, uh, it could be a team of two, a team of three, a team of four, it doesn't matter the size, but a team that's looking to start getting more process, more, more organized with their systems and process? Um, I'm obsessed with ClickUp. I know that we haven't fully integrated there yet, but you know, the more I look at it, the more that I realize that it's a dynamic system that is constantly being updated and is built for you know, the solo entrepreneur or if you have a team of hundreds. Um, you can run multiple businesses out of it. It starts off free and there's a YouTube video for pretty much everything. So, I mean, I was just talking with Veronica a couple of days ago. They have a whole business plan for how to run graphic design out of ClickUp. Wow. You could do construction projects out of ClickUp. Just find a way to systemize your time and stop wasting time on all the little stuff. I love it. Um, and we're not sponsored by ClickUp, but you guys know where to find me if ClickUp does find this podcast because that was a pretty good endorsement. Um, you know, shout again, shout out again as we wrap up to our sponsor, Fullscale.io, helping build software teams quickly and affordably. It's been amazing being with you guys today with my 100th episode, being able to bring on the girls of Marknology and just uh, get to introduce them to you guys a little bit. Um, you know, I work with them every day and have for, for, for most of my life. So um, it's super excited to bring them to you guys and get to talk about some of the stuff we're working on internally, some of the stuff we're excited about. Um, and just trying to give you some behind the scenes of, you know, what an Amazon agency is working on, what we think, um, what we're focused on, what we're trying to help brands with, how we're pivoting. Um, so I hope you guys found some of this uh, of value and I'll see you next time, hustlers. Thanks again for your attention and tuning in. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.